It's the difference. Your weekly look at the intersection of politics and economics. And this week, boy, have they ever intersected. Some might say collided. Mm -hmm. I am Dan O'Donnell. He is Dave Spano, president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. A lot of news on the banking front, Dave, as we record this on Monday. So it was just over the weekend that Credit Suisse was absorbed by UBS. As we stand today, we, we do not know what the Fed is going to do. <laughs> really, for the first time in a long time, Dave, I think there's a whole lot of disagreement as to what the Fed's next move is. Yeah, so you look at the first part, which is the shotgun wedding of Credit Suisse and UBS, and the, some of the bondholders, the, you know, they're going to get wiped out. They're just not going to get paid. And, of course, the equities are down significantly. But this is not something new with Credit Suisse. We've been talking about this for a long time. The coincidence that it happened right when the Silicon Valley Bank story broke is interesting. So there's no question that all of the bank crises and what the Fed has done are all connected. And that's where economics and politics collide, as you said. The Federal Reserve has been both the arsonist and the firefighter here because they stayed way too long with easy money policy and put all of this money into the economy, and that created an inflationary environment. And so now they're trying to catch up and turn things around. Seven rate hikes in 2022, one in 23, and as you said, probably one likely here in this week. What we don't know is that inverted yield curve that they created, the pressure that's put on financial institutions is not good. Now we see like famous senators, like Senator Warren, calling for change in regulation, which is you'll never see the government not taking action when they think a crisis is in front of them. Is this a new era of, uh, in a you know previous generation, we called it too big to fail. Is it now too medium-sized to fail? Yeah. You know, think about the moral hazard here. You know, you have to step in and say, all right, is it implicit or explicit above the $250,000 that the FDIC steps in? And so they're stepping in to make sure that the banking system is working fine because if it doesn't, we all remember what happened back in 08 and 09 and most of our clients, including me, probably still have PTSD from that time. So there's no question that they have to step in and make sure that the financial system, the banking system is in place and that sure looks like too big to fail is still too big to fail and too medium size. You know, and, and by the way, so you know the politics part is now they're blaming the last president because they lowered the regulations for the banks under $250 billion. And so they were saying that the smaller banks don't need this type of stress testing and the compliance costs. But now they're saying, well, hold on a second. Between 50 and 250, there's probably a number that was in there. And that was the argument that was made back then. Maybe at 100 billion or some number, there should be some more regulation. As you know, Dan, I'm the last guy calling for that, for more regulation. But at least reporting is part of the system. We'll see. Senator Warren calling for change in regulation without the forensic detail of what really happened. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll see how far that goes. But I guess the bigger question that I do have than Credit Suisse is now we're seeing First Republic Bank uh, sort of in trouble. I, I saw Jamie Dimon is uh, potentially going to lead a sort of rescue effort there. Yep. I, I sort of liken this to sort of small brush fires, right, that we, we you know, or small kitchen fires that you toss the blanket on them, but it hasn't put the whole house up yet. We don't have, you know, the rainforest burning down just yet, but it 
does it raises some concern. I think there is some natural fear. I think you and yep. I are both in agreement, Dave. The broader global financial system is in decent shape. It's in good shape. But this is the point. I had said the Federal Reserve is the arsonist in that by raising rates as aggressively as they were doing and continue to do, they are eventually going to break something. I didn't know what they were going to break. But now we're seeing what they are breaking, and that is the most important thing to the Federal Reserve, and that's the banking system. I didn't mean to cut you off and saying no, no, something no, was going to break, Dan, and this is it. Well, something seems to be slow motion breaking down. The bigger question and the broader question that we have is, is it the larger economy in the form of a recession? Now, we had thought there would be a recession at some point in 2022 because of all of the inflation that the Fed would have had to act. They were, you know, very slow to, to move, to raise interest rates. Now they're doing so, and we're still seeing month-to-month -month inflation increasing, which is an incredibly worrying sign at what point do they sort of throw up their hands and say inflation is kind of here to stay and we might not actually be able to crash the economy? Yes, let's go back. So technically you're correct. Inflation is increasing because inflation is is going up, but the rate of inflation is decreasing. So I just wanted, wanted to put that out there. So, you know, we were at 9%, 8%, 7%, 6%, but still 6% over 6%. Right? I mean, it's still going up. There's no question about that. But it's going up at a slower pace. And if they can get that down to a, a more reasonable number, we talked last week about some range between 3 and 5%, that's probably acceptable to most people. I don't think that it's going to get down to 2%. I think that is uh, their credibility once again is at risk trying to get there. But let's talk about they were too late to the game. Now they're raising interest rates and now they broke something. Now they have two tools. One is raising interest rate or not raising interest rates. And the second is their balance sheet. Think about this, what their balance sheet looks like today. In 08, their balance sheet was something like $800 billion. Today, it is $8 trillion, with a T, dollars. Jeez. Yeah. So that's what they've done. They went out and bought all these bonds, and we said, at some point when the party's over, the unwinding of their balance sheet is going to get ugly, and that's what we're seeing. So likely a significant slowdown, but the point you made was, can they get it under control? Maybe we're headed towards a stagflation environment, stagnant economy, while a higher inflation number than they want. And that would be not only devastating for people's bottom lines, also I think what it, what is desperately trying to be avoided right now within the halls of the White House is that exact scenario because it would essentially portend doom for President Biden's reelection. Or if he doesn't run, I would assume that Kamala Harris, the vice president, would be the coronated successor. Although there has been some well, talk the governor of California, Newsom, yeah, Gavin right, Newsom, right, somebody like like that but it would essentially be the the kiss of death yeah. now we obviously have some big news breaking trust now. me the republicans will find a way to to make it interesting oh yes yeah. <laughs> uh they may be in the process of doing so right now as it appears we, we don't know again we're recording this on monday march 20th and president trump saying he's going to be arrested uh tuesday march 21st the Manhattan district attorney has, as I've made an extensive case for on the radio, he's essentially, pardon the pun, but trumping up charges. He is essentially inventing a new crime with which to charge 
President Trump. This, I don't think I need to tell you, would be unprecedented in American history. And it would be the sort of event, I think, that maybe doesn't move markets, but certainly does change the political landscape. And I'm, I'm struggling right now just a little bit to figure out how. I believe there will be an initial embrace of Trump by Republicans as they've sort of been softer in their support even than they were before the midterm elections when pretty much every Trump-endorsed candidate lost. And there has been, you know, more gravitation towards Ron DeSantis, the very effective governor of Florida. Does this bring them back? And what I can tell you is that Democrats absolutely 100% want to run against Trump. Their entire political strategy since the moment Trump left office was to plan for defeating him in 2024 on the assumption that he was going to run again. So the possibility that this just totally changes the calculation, I think, is very strong. Well, it's perverse, right? I mean, they're apparently afraid of him, but they keep bringing him up. I mean, if you watch the Sunday morning talk shows, I can't tell you how many times they said the word Trump. I mean, it is, oh, yeah. it's un-flipping yeah. believable. They pretend, Dave, they pretend that Joe Biden isn't president. No. They, they have just continued to, and I think th there's a big reason for this, and a lot of people who follow politics need to understand this. There was something during the Trump administration when he first started running for office, it was, uh, what, June, May, June 2015. The news media got a sustained period of ratings and revenue success that was known as the Trump bump. The now former head of CBS News, Les, or CBS, Les Moonves, he was brought down in the Me Too uh, movement, said, Donald Trump may be terrible for America, but he is great for CBS. Yep. And that's the sort of way that he has been covered, because not only is there just this inherent fascination with the news media and Trump, the ultimate bad guy, but he is also, they have built up an entire ecosystem economically around coverage of Donald Trump. And folks, I just don't see a way that they allow that to stop from some guy from Florida winning the nomination over Trump. Yeah, it's, it's certainly not going to help the current environment because when you talk about confidence, confidence is so important to the economy. And if individuals lose confidence, they stop spending. Of course, we do know that 65 to 70 percent of GDP is consumer spending. The remainder of that is happening in the boardrooms. And if around the boardroom they're saying, I don't have confidence, all of this uncertainty, I will stop hiring I won't do the CapEx, the capital expenditures. I won't go and buy things. You talk about what's happening in the tech industry, financial services company. If they're under pressures, they don't go out and do that. And so that is this spiral that all of this negative talk leads to a lack of confidence, which leads to a slowdown. And is this what they want? They really want to crash the economy to the point where people start losing jobs? This is the plan just stunning to me, but this is what they're doing because the Federal Reserve and fiscally, let's not forget about that. Just along partisan lines, there was another $2 trillion that was inserted into the economy on top of all the free money from the Federal Reserve. This is why amidst all this uncertainty, you really do need to make sure that you have a financial plan to weather a potential storm, 
to deal with boom times as well as bust. In other words, you need a review of your portfolio. It's called a wealth metric, and you can get it at AnnexWealth.com. Again, AnnexWealth.com. The, the stability is something that, you know, this is where the intersection of politics and economics really does come. Obviously, fiscal policy is a huge thing coming from the American government. But when there are periods of instability like we're seeing now, and that will only be exacerbated if and when Trump is indicted, incidentally, I believe uh, it is a virtual certainty he's going to be indicted. He's not going to be arrested in the sense that, you know, someone is arrested for stealing a car. Who am I kidding? People aren't arrested for stealing cars anymore. <laughs> Uh, but he's going to be indicted and that's only going to add to this idea that things are sort of falling apart. And when that idea gets widespread, that's when people start to make panic moves. Remember in our industry, the financial planning industry, wealth management is part art and part science. So we look at the numbers and we spend some time talking about that, but the art is not to sink yourself, is not to make a financial mistake that knocks you off track. And I said this to our team earlier this morning, Dan, uh, I started in this business in 1986. 1987, of course, there was the crash. And in 91 and in 98, we had the long-term capital debacle, had the tech bust in 2000, the 2008 financial crisis, and of course, COVID in 2020. Alongside of that, and on the other side of that, we did get better. And of course, we're going to have some choppy water for the next you know, 12 to 24 months. But don't sink yourself. Don't sink no. your own boat. Make sure that the science part is, is known, but the art part is to make sure that you stay and understand what you own and why you own it. He is Dave Spano, the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, helping to guide you through that, what can seem to be an un, unguidable juggle of uncertainty. And I do the same. I am Dan O'Donnell, doing the same with the always uncertain world of politics. For Dave, I'm Dan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of The Difference. Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of the podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.